Hello, beautiful. Welcome to Magical Realness, a Blythe Mitrals podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Marie, a multi-hyphenate visionary and the founder of Blythe Mitrals. What you need to know about me is that I'm a little quirky, V-spiritual, crazy chatty, and uber passionate about living in true alignment and the art of simpatico. I believe deeply that magic is real, potent, and rooted in choice. Magic is all around us. All you have to do is choose to see it. Dive in with me as we look at actionable steps, breakdowns, and conversations that help you live a magical lifestyle in which serves you. We're currently in the season, Reinventing Yourself, a 25-episode spread anchored on guiding creatives, dreamers, and multifaceted entrepreneurs to ground themselves in their own truth while they go through their beautiful transformation of personal expansion, business alignment, and all that wonder in between. These explorations, how-tos, and conversations will help you stand tall, stand proud, and stand as the authentic version of you. Let's do this, my friend. Let's dive in with today's episode and reinvent the magical you. I, I, I don't even... I don't even know where to begin. I don't, (laughs) I don't even know where to start. (laughs) I don't even know how to even bring this incredible guest forward and introduce her um, with the honor (laughs) and the details that she so deserves. I mean, my mind is just, is just blown. Just, I mean, am I even here? Have I died? (laughs) Have I gone to heaven? Um, Am I boosting her up a little bit too much? I think so. I think I went a little too far. But seriously, I mean, Amanda is incredible. And to have her on our show, privilege, true privilege, true honor. Um, Amanda, if you don't know who she is, Amanda McCready is the leader and host of the Clothes Horse Movement. Uh, Yes, my friend, movement. Although I don't think Amanda would necessarily put it that way, that she is this leader. Um, That's how I'm going to label her because of the incredible work she's doing in educating and, and bringing awareness to the realities within the fashion industry. So Close Horse, it's it's a podcast, and you could go listen to it right now, except maybe not right now, maybe after this episode. <laughs> um, but it's a podcast in which uh, decodes the retail and fashion industries, but also talks about consumerism, workers' rights, personal style, and why fashion is a case study and how capitalism has gone awry. Just so you know, I got that uh, from her show description. I'm totally a cheater, but honestly, I, I could not have put it any better than that. So Close Horse, it, it was a project that Amanda launched after being laid off during the pandemic. And just the way that it has blossomed and grown, such a cult following is is nothing short of inspiring. I am honored to have Amanda with us. I know I've already said that. I might say it a million more times, <laughs> but you know, I think we should just dive in because woo, we go there. We go there. There are a lot of truth bombs um, in this episode, and I will try my best um, to keep up with all of the little magic chimes to make you know that 
you've got something juicy ahead. So with that, let's enter into this episode and get into the magical realness, what it means to reinvent yourself with the power of fashion. Okay, my friends, I didn't lie to you. I promised and I am delivering. Amanda is here with us and it is such a treat to have you, Amanda. I'm just like, I can't stop smiling. Oh, stop. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, such, such a treat. So welcome, welcome, welcome to magical realness. Let's get magical. Um, Yes, it was, it's just been so interesting to like witness like kind of your I don't know like your toddler years almost if you will in the birth <laughs> of of clothes house because I wasn't there at the inception like whenever you were first really bringing out your podcast and making all this content um but I'm a follower of Black Sands I love I love 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 that shop and I know that she had already been advocating for your show and then she guested and I definitely was like diving in. I was listening. And I've shared this with you, but as a podcast producer, I think the way that you podcast is particularly brilliant in the way that you engage and bring people forward into the actual conversations that you're having. It is just, it is the way you talk about like sustainable fashion. It's just so fun. Amanda, you're very fun. (laughs) (laughs) I am. I mean, it's like, it is interesting to, some of the stuff I bring up, a lot of the stuff I bring up, I talk about, I research is so grim, you know, and the fashion industry itself, when you work within it, is rarely fun, but I think I'm just a fun person (laughs) inherently, (laughs) and so I can make bad news sound fun that's got to be a skill should I put that on my LinkedIn I don't know but (laughs) (laughs) my vote goes for yes absolutely and but you know that that's a really good point that you bring up right off the bat is like it is all very grim right and when people like really I remember when I was first getting into sustainable fashion right like when I was learning about it in in the world of you know constructing And um, I just, I was so, I think it's also like our youth, but also fair. We should be angry. I was so angry. I was really upset and I really took it personally because the lack, well, just the ignorance, right? The ignorance of, of not knowing that these are how, which we'll get into my friends. Don't you worry. (laughs) We'll get there. But the reality of the, the, of how fashion is not sustainable, right? So we already have like all of these different mm, viewpoints and perspectives on how we're not good enough because we don't dress like these people who have all this money who are able to invest in themselves with these clothes and have clothes really that they can just throw away and toss. But then we get clothes that are actually meant to be thrown away and tossed, yet it's not sustainable. It hurts our environment. It's just like destroys. It destroys what we are. It doesn't feel good. Like the quality is just, I I think I'm talking a little bit too vague, but there's just so, it's just so big. It's hard to get specific right off the bat, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) yeah, it's just, it's a lot. And like the layers of it and to yes, hold that anger, but to channel it in such a useful f- source of energy 
I mean, it's very clever and it makes what you're talking about accessible and digestible. No one wants, right? Think of those preachers who are on the street and they're just shouting at people telling them that they're going to be <laughs> damned. Like, right. I don't know any of them that have been able to bring people over to their belief system. If you keep preaching at people in such a way, like they're not going to be able to digest it in. And you are like educating from the heart, bringing in that joy, bringing in that reality, I just, I love it. It's so needed. We need, we need you, Amanda. We need you, you <laughs> know? That. that is so great to hear. I mean, I think, you know, something that I say a lot is that the personal is the political. And so it's really important that when we want to educate others, get them to join a movement, and it doesn't matter what you're educating someone about, what movement you want them to join. You know, in my case, it's all about sustainability and workers' rights and fighting classism and racism, all, all of those things. But no matter what, it's really important to share yourself as part mm. of that process. Your personal ex stories and experiences are what shape your ethics, your beliefs, and I want to ensure that not only do people who listen to me share all kinds of grim news with them all the time, understand why I care so much about it and my part in that. But I also want to hear their experiences. I have been more and more thinking about clothes harm as well. I can't even say the name of my own podcast. <laughs> I do that all the time. I don't uh, all the time. All the time. Uh, <laughs> I really want clothes horse to be a platform for so many voices because that's how we build a movement. It's not one person. It's many people supporting and listening to one another mm, so I have lofty mm. ideas obviously <laughs> <laughs> but they're beautiful and I I think that's what we we strive to have right like that's the new ticket which honestly like glad that's the new ticket mm -hmm. but everyone wants a community Mm -hmm. Right. Everyone's a community, which then, you know, we don't need to get into that. But then, you know, bears the question, like, what about community fatigue? Right. So we don't need to go there. But, you know, that's that's the goal. Right. Is to have a community. And oftentimes there are so many of these communities who are often created by corporate individuals who decided to go freelancer, you know, work for themselves, right? So there's still that kind of corporate mindset and there's really not that inclusive engagement. You can engage, you know, outside of them, you can engage like with as, you know, fellow community members, but you really don't get a lot of access to the actual leader. And so it doesn't feel like you're really a part of it. It feels like you're a follower of it. And for us to really, you know, to, to just, you know, I guess slightly elaborate on your point, like for us to really be able to breathe in and inhale this, this essence, this passion, this movement, right? Mm -hmm. We have to feel like we embody it as well. And that it's not just something that we're following, but something that we are truly engaged and welcomed to be engaged in. I mean, just look at like, you know, this is so huge within white women, right? Like white women are so problematic when it comes to, you know, racism. And we don't need to get into that whole like spiral. It's a big conversation. But part of the, like, you know, just look at all those black squares. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. All those black squares, right? And it was a lot. I mean, it wasn't just white women, but a lot of white women were doing the squares and then they were posting and they were, you know, trying to say something and use their voices, because a lot of black individuals had said, please use your voice, please share this. And white women took that literally. 
um, as in they needed to talk about things that they were not educated on mm-hmm. or that they needed to, um, you know, make sure that they weren't considered in the fact that they, you know, the racist call outs, you know, kind of saving themselves. And so I remember I had friends who were talking publicly about, you know, the movement and everything that was going on. And, you know, I remember one in particular said to me, like, I just got called out by all of these different people telling me basically to shut up. And I'm trying to do what they told me to do, which was speak up. So in the same capacity of of being able to be a part of a movement and being able to engage it, as white women, we are not able to fully embody the movement of Black Lives Matter and just in general inclusivity because we have been welcomed in by the Proud Boys. We've been welcomed in by these big guys, these big white men, and and brought into it in some way or another. So like to be excluded in such a way, to be oppressed, yes, there is oppression as women, but as white women, we are particularly privileged. So to to then come forward and think that we can have a part of that movement to be engaged in such a capacity is just not accessible. But when it comes to fashion, right, everyone is able to be accessible to this movement because it affects everyone. Does it still engage in what you brought up earlier? Definitely, like, you know, capitalism, racism, just plain bigotry, absolutely. But we're still all able to participate and engage in it. And that's why it's so important to really evaluate what is your relationship with fashion, not just in this, you know, political social sense, but your relationship to fashion and your own self-identity and what it means to express who you are. So just, uh, Amanda, look at this. Just having you on. What what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? I mean, I, I look at fashion um, as a really amazing case study of all the things, all of the inequities and all of the ethical issues in our world playing out all at once. We see... The systemic oppression of women, knowing that 80% of the garment workers around the world are women. Mm. And we see the inherent racism play out in a, a million different ways. Most notably, that most of the people who make our clothes, that includes the fabric, the buttons, the zippers, the packaging it goes in, and even a significant chunk of the warehouse workers and retail workers that get that product to it, us, they are all people of color who are being underpaid and exploited simply to give us stuff. We see classism play out. We see so much anti-fat bias. I mean, ableism, you name it. All of the bad things and all of the predatory aspects of capitalism are all embodied by what we put on our bodies. It's kind of <laughs> wild, right? And yeah. I, when I started Close Horse, I really just came to it at the table like, I've worked in this industry for so long and there are things that I take for granted that I know because I've been in it. And I certainly didn't know any of that before. I didn't understand. I had no awareness of all at all of how clothes were made and brought to us. And I had found myself at that point doing a lot of explaining to people on Reddit, long story short. I mean, was just like there was all this stuff going on with Daniel Bernstein and people had questions and I was like, this is how it works. And that was when I realized, wow, People don't really understand how our clothes are made or anything else involved in it. And I think it might be a secret for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so initially I was like, I'm just going to try this podcast where I explain how things work. And pretty rapidly 
it became very political. It became very mission focused because it was like, oh, light bulb moment. Everything bad is happening in fashion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, not that, I mean, I, am I an expert on fashion? In many ways, yes, because that's been my life's work. Am I also a learning alongside everyone who listens to the podcast? 100%. Um, it's a lot of work, um, but I always – I want to present the full story all the time. And so that involves educating myself as well, you know, pairing that with what I already know. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you were – like when you were talking about fashion just there a minute ago, I like had instant visions of Zoolander. <laughs> I was like very much Zoolander vibes. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I think we think that fashion is far more glamorous. Well, I mean, Zoolander is not glamorous, but like, yeah, I can't talk to someone without them bringing up the Devil Wears Prada, and I'm like, yeah, Devil Wears Prada. Actually, I would like. I was telling someone else this recently. I would like all copies of that film to be destroyed, and I would like everybody who has viewed that film to have it deleted from their memories, and. Then we can move on because I felt like that movie was almost propaganda for why fashion is so important, so self-important, so glamorous. And it made it more than it is because what it really is, I mean, yes, there is creative expression involved. There is innovation involved. But most importantly, there's just lots of money involved. You know, it's mm -hmm. selling stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I don't think that I've ever really – Mm, ingested, mm, let's say, uh, consumed that movie in that capacity. I'm just like, oh, you know, like it's Anne Hathaway and, you know, Meryl Streep. Like, obviously, I just think yeah. of like the book and anything that's kind of editorial. I have a really like I have a huge affinity for Like, for instance, it's complicated. I don't know. Is it that great? Like, I don't think it's Nancy Meyer's best movie, but I love watching it. Just for seeing Diane Keaton typing on her computer. I just go bananas to see that specifically. <laughs> and I think those are the elements that I tune into when I when I watch The Devil Wears Prada, but I've never but maybe that's just like my own self-awareness, right? But you're it's very true though. Amanda, whoa, mind blown. People do really regard it in that way. I just I don't think that I've like like really because it's it's a movie it's Hollywood like Hollywood is is a it's, is a filter right isn't it supposed like, to be a light-hearted romp or something like that I have no idea I the first so. time I watched it was on an airplane and I was like that was entertaining that helped me pass right. an hour and a half but right. I wasn't like wow this is a documentary <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious but I mean when when we don't really get the full view of what goes into fashion, right? I mean, that makes sense. Like you said, it's a secret and it's it's a secret for a reason. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, really it's really making me question some of the the fashion-based movies that I've I've really enjoyed and, and like how much of that did I really take with me? So I you know what, Amanda? Challenge accepted. I will go in and I will evaluate. Yeah, I would love to hear because based on my experience, the most accurate fashion movie, it doesn't exist yet. Maybe we should make it. Would be <laughs> Well, it would, it would take place all over the world, right? Um, for one, there'd be like an office, there'd be mostly women working in there. It would definitely be open floor plan there would be offices but men would work in the offices and they would be in charge all the women would be out in the open floor plan working and they would all be eating really weird and mostly disappointing salads and there would be a lot of crying 
and f- hand wringing and packages being delivered just nonstop, nonstop packages. Some of them personal, some skincare stuff, some Fashion Nova stuff, samples, whatever. There'd be a lot of mail and crying and then like drinking after work. And then quick, suddenly we're like overseas and someone is sewing for 10 hours and hasn't been able to take a break to use the bathroom and now has a UTI and is really hungry. And then like quick take, now there's like an airplane full of clothes. You know, it's just like, Mm -hmm. it would be so depressing. (laughs) No one would watch it. And it would be, because the reality is that like clothing is not glamorous. And it's been interesting because I my focus so much has been the exploitation of the workers around the world, specifically making our clothing, selling it to us, shipping it. And I've, as a person who worked in that corporate environment in like someone's dream job, I knew it sucked and I always had a headache, a stomach ache. I was always eating those horrible, disappointing Starbucks protein plates. You all know what I'm talking about. You've had one. Um, And I just felt so unsatisfied all the time. And I've been having more and more conversations with other professionals that are still in the industry or perhaps have left. And it comes up every time. Like, I was so unhappy. I was so depressed. My anxiety was so bad. I had to up my medication. I ate so many bad salads and I I start to think like where's the where's the glamour you know where's the Mm. because that's one thing that I hear all the time is like how could you ever leave the most glamorous industry and I'm like whoa whoa let me tell you (laughs) it's Mm -mm. not it's hard work it's stressful just like any other job business industry yeah you know and I I wonder if it's not just everything that's kind of secretive or all the all the elements that go into it and like just also just the blatant miscommunication and mistranslations that get into the production of clothing in general but i wonder if it is like that that glamorization of it or the way that we're supposed to think of it as being so glamorized right because to be an artist well, we should be working extra long and extra hard and just never basically only stopping to eat and to sleep because we're creative and we're doing a fun job and we're doing something that other people like, you know, like what you just said, dream of doing. And so I wonder if there's in tandem, not just like those secretive hush hush, don't tell anyone, let's make sure that we're producing an obscene amount of clothing that's completely unnecessary. Um, But also the element of this is supposed to be really magical and really creative and like the life of an artist. Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure that they work as they're expected to as artists. Yeah. You know, something that has been coming up in a lot of different conversations I've had recently, I, I, you know, I always like to ask my guests, like, how did you get into the fashion industry? Did you dream of it your whole life? And There's a small percentage of people who are like, yeah, I always knew that's what I was going to do. But the vast majority are actually like, well, I was really artistic and creative. And basically fashion seemed like an actual legitimate career path that would allow me to be that way. So it is full of creative, talented, amazing people who are like, I guess I'm going to try to commodify my creativity. And it's going to involve making clothes, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I don't. I don't want to depress anybody about clothing because getting dressed is one of my favorite things. I love clothing. I think it is totally. an incredible creative expression that you get to do every day. And what I wear each day helps me transform myself mentally into who I'm going to be that day. Like I 
love clothing. I love the power of creating an outfit and the magic of stepping out the door and feeling a certain way. Um, what I hate is the industry that has been built around making way too much clothing that's really not that great, that really doesn't make us feel that great ultimately and kind of I feel like it kind of uh, steals that magic away from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thousand percent. I definitely want to get into what you just said because that is like the mm, like ev- like just everything that we work on and wardrobe manifestation mm-hmm. is actually applying specific affirmations to your articles of clothing and like making it like a really fun equation like you know what are you going to be today and literally stepping into the person that you are becoming that's what wardrobe manifestation is so totally juicy want to get into that later but first I'm just as curious as a cat how has it been on your side of things creating clothes horse yes in the capacity of you know, speaking your message and the research and educating and and all of those ways. But what has it been like to bring people forward and have them be so engaged with with this message and and with this community? What has it been like to build this and to interact with them? I mean, I never expected that any of this would happen, you know. And, you know, I just – I had lost my job at the beginning of the pandemic. I My anxiety, like all I did was feel anxious and watch Netflix and bake banana bread and feel sorry for myself. And I am, I'm a very yeah. creative person. I am a person who finds great solace in doing work. And there was no work for me to do. There was only so much laundry to wash or so many times I could clean our house. And starting the podcast, uh, I didn't know anything about starting a podcast. I certainly had to Google many things um, to figure it out. And I wasn't sure if it would be successful, whatever successful would mean, but I felt like it would be meaningful for me, at least on a personal level, to share my ideas and experiences and thoughts. Like that to at least record it all would mean that I had said it and it would be there for posterity, I guess. And so imagine my surprise when – suddenly there was like a group of people who were really not only engaging with the podcast and me, but engaging with one another. And they didn't Mm. know one another before Close Horse. Like that, that is wild to me. I still, I mean, on a near daily basis, I will see two members of our community who I know didn't know one another previously interacting or working on something together. And I will tear up because it is so magical in a time where we were all so, so separated from so many people in our lives to see people build relationships in the midst of that is like, how did that happen? You know, it is so moving Mm -hmm. to me. And, you know, something I think about a lot that I try to balance is this idea that like, yes, I am the person who, you know, writes, researches, records, edits, and publishes Clothes Horse, right? So in that way, Clothes Horse is my own personal expression. But I don't want the community to be about Amanda, I don't want it to be about Mm, me. I want it to be about the ideas and the way of life and a movement, the community. Like I want, I want the podcast 
to reflect the community while also being my own creative expression. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting puzzle that I'm constantly working on. Um, I, you know, I, it's weird. Someone mentioned like the other day called me like a leader of this movement of this community. And I was like, wow, oh, I don't, absolutely. I don't thousand percent. I don't think of myself that way. I just think of myself as another member of it who wants to do as much as I can to support the rest of the community. Like I'm just, I'm a, I'm a we person, not an I person. And so sometimes mm-hmm. in conversations, like it, like talking about close horse, for, for example, I'll be talking about a lot of we and us. And then I have to stop and say, okay, actually close horse is just me working on it. So like, I don't want you to think I have a team back here. I'm just such a like us sort of person that it's hard to speak just about myself in a weird way. Um, but Close Horse really, like the project itself really is just me. <laughs> you know, so yeah. um, that's just something that I think about a lot too. Like how can I, as a creative person, as an artist, lift up our community and what we want to change, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just want to take a moment to validate you because I am also a wee person. Um, but I do that very consciously. And, you know, if that's great for you, Amanda, great. Take it and run if you want to. Also, don't. Um, but I actually view Blythe Mitrals as as her own person. Like, I view Blythe Mitrals as a woman, as an mm-hmm. entity, mm-hmm. as, as, you know, yes, a vessel, but a vessel of someone who was living and breathing, right? I I view the work that I do in tandem with Blythe Mitrals, right? So so for me, it would be incorrect since I have this viewpoint and I have this perspective and I work this way with my business to say I. I make sure that, you know, I do say I and I try to ground what I'm saying, but I do so again very consciously and I am just, yeah, we are totally, we are totally synced up on that, on being the we person, right? Because it, it is so much more than what we're doing. And a lot of what has brought me, and I shared this on the podcast before, dear listeners, so, you know, just bear with me. But, you know, a lot of what I have done to bring about Blythe Mitrals has been inspired by helping the younger Brittany Marie's of of the world, right? It's mm-hmm. like to to understand the pain and the suffering. Yes, the trauma and the neglect and like, you know, that whole situation, just like thinking I was so unworthy and so unlovable for the majority right now, the majority of my life, right? And to help liberate other Brittany Marie's out there who think the same of themselves and can see the pathway to themselves, right? That's a big part of what I do, what I do. And I think it's totally natural, you know, that I started out within looking at wardrobe specifically. And I, in this conversation, I'm talking about fashion, but I never use the word fashion. I am not interested in the word fashion. Of course, like if we're talking about the fashion industry, of course. But when I'm talking to other women or female divine, when I'm talking to when I'm talking to my clients or my community members about wardrobe specific, like I, again, I say wardrobe, 
And I'm very conscious about when do we use the term closet and when do we use wardrobe and when do we use garment and when do we use piece. And I think it's, you know, we, we need to be intentional because as you, as you said earlier, there is so much expression, there is so much love, there's so much identity in the clothes that we wear. And the big key is, you know, is that we we need to be able to ground ourselves in what is inherently within us. For instance, we are inherently worthy, regardless of what we put on, regardless of the quality of the clothes that we have on, regardless of how chic and beautiful our actual closet looks like, right? Like none of that is is up for debate. You you are worthy regardless. It, clothes are simply a tool a sense of expression. They are not the only expression of you. And so, you know, I definitely went into a tangent there and like talked about a million different things. <laughs> but I just really identify with the way that you explore not just clothes horse, but also, well, identify with clothes horse. Mm-hmm, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm so in alignment with you there. Yeah, you said something really interesting, which was about the power of words, you know, and mm. how we describe these things. And you know, I I will be the first to confess there is a reason that clothes horse is called clothes horse, and that is because I have been called that term many times <laughs> in my life. I also appreciate how old tiny it is, right? And I will tell you, I have a lot of clothes. I have been collecting them my whole life, it seems. And when I go into my closet and I look at what's hanging in there, each piece, each item is so important and personal to me that I couldn't bear to be parted with it. It has so much value to me beyond how much I actually paid for it because it means so much to me when I wear it. And then, you know, I pull away from that and I go back into like, okay, now I'm I'm at work and I'm a buyer and I'm talking about units. I'm talking about garments. I'm talking about these objects that have no power no meaning to mm. anyone, myself even included, which oh my makes gosh, my heart's them, like breaking for you in those <laughs> moments. Which makes them inherently disposable, right? Like I've been thinking a lot about the disposability of clothing. This this idea, like, okay, well, I bought this shirt for seven ninety, so it's no big deal if I only wear it one time. I will have gotten enough use out of it. And what we're really doing is we're taking away the personal connection between our clothing and I and the value of our clothing I cannot say this enough has nothing to do with how much we paid for it I mean at Mm. all right if it's special and right to you and it makes you feel like your best self when you put it on it it may as well be worth a million dollars right and uh I that's something I've been thinking about so much lately as this like sort of throwaway culture around clothing, right? That it's just something you have for a little bit and then it's gone and it's no big deal and more of it will come because we've been sort of like, I don't know, like distanced from what these garments really are. And I kind of think it's because we haven't had an opportunity to build relationships with what we wear Maybe because none of it's the right stuff for us. That's totally a possibility, right? Maybe because it it comes in and out of our lives so fast that you 
can't get attached to it. You know, think about like if you were the bus driver and you were driving around all day picking people up and letting them off, you're not going to get attached to very many of these people, right, right on right. your bus. And that's kind of how it is with clothes just coming in and out of our lives at a rapid clip. Like when I think back, you know, I, I I'll tell you that when you work in fashion as in the industry you have to always be wearing the newest hottest looks right and all the clothes that I would buy specifically to wear to work as part of having the newest hottest look the moment I left that job or even just a month later while I was still there I would end up reselling it right I was just over it but the clothes that I collected for myself to wear in my personal time for important moments in my life those are the ones that I still have and that mm. I feel special every time I wear. And so I think we're all really due for a reevaluation of what we wear and why. Thousand percent. I could not agree with you more, right? Like it's just, you know, here's the thing. I think you bring up a really good example. So what I talk about with my clients, you know, my coaching clients is that I always say a smaller closet is a freer closet. But the reason why I say that is because when you have, when you can just kind of purge and let go, uh, which, you know, also do so as consciously as you can, right? You know, it's Mm -hmm. kind of a, for lack of a better word, like a double whammy, like, you know, doomed if you do, doomed, you know, dooming (laughs) if you don't, right? right? You know, kind of one of those things. But, you know, like, you know, purge and release because, you know, what I'm really exploring is your identity of self and looking at this as a new start. Whereas, yes, you are removing a lot of clothes now, but we're looking at how can you incorporate and learn to incorporate more sustainable practices in the future, So, you know, trying to balance it out there, but, you know, really just kind of, again, purging and letting go and really evaluating, does this really express who I am or does this express who I was 10 years ago? And is that someone that I want to step into? Is that someone who's consciously a part of the life that I am living now? Mm -hmm. And, and again, just that, that pure exploration of self. And I think that's something that we we really need to put a weight on as far as just an emphasis or a focus on. Not, not a heavy weight, not a burden, but just a conscious awareness of what we are putting on our bodies and the way that they make us feel. I think that sometimes we see the models and we put on that clothing. And the thing is, it's kind of like theater. You don't always remember the imagery that you saw on stage but when you see something that's similar in imagery, you kind of get reflected back within those emotions. They kind of wash over you and you think, oh, that's interesting. You know, like I just saw a cherry blossom. That's so weird that I'm thinking about like someone losing their farm or whatever. You know, I'm referencing the cherry orchard. So maybe that's not your relationship, but it could possibly <laughs> very much be, right? Yeah. So when that's that same like association of imagery and the way that we ground ourselves in that, um, just inherently through our subconscious, the same way as when we view those models, right? On, on, you know, Amazon or wherever it is that you think that you want to be shopping right now. You know, that's another conversation. And I know that you have a lot of thoughts <laughs> about that. You said Amazon and I sat up straighter. I, was I know, like, well, I know. Thing. It is, yeah. <laughs> I know, but it's it's like... I mean, but it's like probably one of the most relevant. Well, actually, from your research, it is the most relevant example because that is where everyone shops. Isn't that um, shocking? 
I, yeah, it is. It is actually. I will tell you that, um, yeah, so what we're talking about is that Amazon is the number one retailer of clothing in the United States, which if you just gasped, we all have. You're not um, alone. Right. You're not alone. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I will tell you that for the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years of my career, there has been so much fear about Amazon becoming a powerhouse in the in the area of fashion of clothing and uh i would always say there's no way i mean i was wrong here i'm just gonna tell you i was like there's no way that people would just go buy clothes from amazon like where's where's the the vibe there you know because yeah. i have in my whole career <laughs> i've right, worked yeah. for very well-known millennial focused lifestyle brands and so we were always telling a story creating a mood a lifestyle a aspirational life that you too might lead if you bought from us and then i was like so like where's the vibe with amazon because the only vibe i see there is prime shipping right so right. i was always like this will never work out and then boom there it was so lots and lots and lots of people are buying clothes from Amazon, which blew my mind. Because once again, I'm like, where's the vibe, you know? Right, right. But I, then but then again, that's proving, proving, you know, or elaborating on my point, right? Is it's like, you know, regardless if you see it on Amazon or, you know, on these specific, you know, boutiques or lines or whatever, right? The, mm -hmm. the vibe of it, you still see a vibe on the model, right? You still see some sort of experience. You still see some association because you have to be able to imagine yourself in that garment. You have to be able to imagine that it's your body in that figure, in that silhouette. And the thing is, is that typically when we do that, we morph ourselves. We, we morph who we are. We morph our own sense of I, our own like actual physical appearance. So that way we can appease or we can assemble to look like a variation of what we are aesthetically picking up from that imagery. So we think that, oh, if we want to be this, you know, version of beauty that we hold, right? If we want to alter our appearance to be worthy, mm -hmm. total bullshit. But if we want to do that, then I need to make sure I get this garment. So when we're shopping, we're not actually shopping for, is this something that's going to be as, because as you put it right earlier, right? Like people, it's so disposable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're not actually shopping for our sense of eye. We're not actually shopping for, is this a garment that I'm going to use and I'm going to wear a lot? We're shopping for a sense of connection to a variation of someone that we want to be. Right? It's oh, just totally. such a mind fuck. It really is. It's true. I mean, something that I have been thinking about so much and talking about on Close Horse is how, you know, take a step back from clothing. We really need to unpack as individuals why we buy, what we buy, and how much we buy. Right? Because I will tell you, hi, everyone. My name is Amanda McCarty, and I am a recovering emotional shopper um, <laughs> slash returnaholic. <laughs> Uh, and so I have the experience there of being like, I'm having a bad day at work. I'm eating my sad protein box right now. And I'm looking at the computer and I'm going to go on Zara and buy like five new things. And it will make me feel better for a moment. Why? Because every time we shop, every time we buy something new, we have this hope, this dream that that thing is going to come into our lives and somehow then we'll be living our dream life. Like all of our dreams will have come true 
with that purchase. And I know that sounds way overdramatic, but think about the sense of hopefulness you get every time you place an order. Oh, yes. I feel like that is the primary success of like e-commerce versus shopping in real life because the thing about shopping in real life is you might have that sense of like, my whole life is going to change when you're walking towards the fitting room, but then you go in there and try it on and you leave and you're like, oh, wow, actually my life is worse coming out of that fitting room than it was going in. Like you feel deflated, right? But when you order online, it's like, from the moment you place that order until the box arrives, you have this window of like everything is about to really turn around in my life. I'm going to have all of my dreams come true when this Zara box arrives. Like there's this excitement and hopefulness about that package arriving on your doorstep and you get it, you take it in and you start trying stuff on and the fit's kind of like Eh, or it makes you feel insecure about certain parts of your body or it makes you sweaty the moment you try it on or it just everything feels wrong and you feel so dejected. And for me as a recovering emotional shopper, that would have been a great time to say stop. It seems like these sad lunchtime Zara shopping sprees are actually making me feel sadder rather than better when we look at the full trajectory of my experience. Uh, So maybe I should just stop and (laughs) reevaluate and think about what would truly bring me the most happiness, whether that's something specific that I'm going to buy or something I'm going to do, or maybe I'm going to start going to see a therapist or change my job, whatever. But instead, it's like, um, well, I returned that, Zara. You know, now I'm realizing I'm going to have this credit on my credit card. Guess I better buy some more. And so it's like you get in this cycle of like, this is going to be the thing that changes my life. And then it comes and it doesn't. And then you're like, okay, but this thing, this today, this is going to be what changes my life. And I think we have so much emotions wrapped up in that. How do we have to divorce ourselves? from shopping and clothing being a cure, being the great hope of our lives, you know? Oh my gosh, you're preaching like my whole ethos when it comes to clothing. I mean, absolutely. (laughs) You know, here's, you know, here's the thing on top of that, right? Is that, you know, yes, you, you do go shopping and, you know, you take that on and you're basically, um, shopping for a worthy sense of self, right? Someone that you can be proud of, someone that makes you feel special when you walk down the street. Essentially, really what it comes down to is, is that, you so desperately want to be seen. Either you want to see yourself or you want someone else to see you. There's some sort of element of of need to be seen. And so you think that by, you know, again, by buying this item, that's something that you connected with for a split of a second. It's going to bring that, that seenness to you. So there's that element. Here's another element of that that just really just, I think, ties it in and, and really takes it for a loop, right? I think the reason why we lean into that specific element of fashion, I mean, Amanda, gosh, you would, you would know, so correct me if I'm wrong, right? But this is, you know, my viewpoint on it, is that we live, right, in this convenience world. And let me take it back even further, right? Like, when I was younger, no one was checking up on me to make sure that I was getting work done, my homework, lessons, whatever. I remember that I had um, I had guitar lessons, and this lasted for maybe a couple months. And I was trying to learn the electrical guitar. And, uh, you know, the, the instructor was so nice to me. He never, like, 
he never put me down or anything, but he was always like, well, you really should practice, you know, when you get home. (laughs) And the time I would practice was maybe an hour, maybe 30 minutes before we left to go to that lesson. Sounds so about I would right. let a whole yeah. So I would wait a whole week to do it. And my parents would always ask me. And it wasn't so much that I was answering or saying no and lying, or saying that I had done it, you know, and lying because I I, you know, wanted to get away with it, but because I felt ashamed that I wasn't doing it and I didn't want to burden anybody with the shame that I had. And I needed someone. I was so young. I needed someone to help me be accountable. A lot of us were raised through TV, right? For so many of us, TV Mm -hmm. raised us, Mm -hmm. which means, again, that we didn't, not a lot of us had that sense of accountability. And sure, you can go into different generations and what that means and like, how can we all be involved? But like, this is just the situation as it is with the need to have convenience everywhere we go. So this is my point. I'm getting there. I promise. Is that, <laughs> is that you know when when we look at that and we look at those experiences that you may or may not have had, like me, you know, you're you're looking at a sense of nurturing where you don't actually really have to do the work. You can just kind of bypass the work and do like maybe a slither of it, and it be a, like accepted in some way. Um, it be doable right? That it'll lead you to what you needed to accomplish in that time. Well, when you're feeling really low about yourself and, you know, emotionally shopping, as you talked about, Amanda, right? Like, you know, you are looking for a something in the moment. You're looking to accomplish something. And you've already elaborated on this, but just to bring in the point of the sense of convenience. We live in a convenience culture. And I don't think that, that especially women, women don't, aren't, aren't interested in learning their sense of eye and learning what they actually want in their closets, what they want to be wearing, what it means to express their identity. I don't think it's that. I think it's that it hasn't been accessible because we've been nurtured to believe that the way that we accomplish what we want is to find the fastest, quickest way to do it. And in this particular area of life, it's been nurtured into impulse purchases that we hope will stick and hope will lead us to a transformation. That shirt isn't going to do shit for you. That shirt (laughs) isn't going to do shit for you. That's not the work, but we've been taught that that's the work. We've Mm -hmm. been taught by credit cards. We've been taught by marketing. We've been taught by the industry that that's how you change your life. And it's just total bullshit. And it's I just want to say that it's not your fault. It's not your fault if you've been conditioned to to believe this way. And that's, again, Amanda, why your work is so important. Because And, and I think also why you're able to bring in people into these conversations and, and uh, you know, really educate them, bring that awareness. Because they had no clue. They had no consciousness. They had no chance, right? If, if, if we're not shown, you know, that two plus two equals four, I don't know why I always go to Gordon Sondland. It's not even relevant. <laughs> but like, you know, but, you know, if we always, if no one shows us two plus two equals four, like even what the, even what a two possibly is, how are we supposed to put things together and start to even dive in for ourselves what it means? If we're taught to look the other way when it comes to the construction of clothing, then then that's what that's what we're conditioned to do. And it's it's not your fault 
if you're just following what you were conditioned to do. If you were conditioned, if you were taught to make, you know, mac and cheese from a box and not from scratch, that's how you learned how to do it. You're Mm -hmm. not going to like necessarily go looking how to do mac and cheese from scratch that may not be accessible to you. I don't need to go on and on. I'm clearly on a tangent. I will stop here. But I'm just trying to say like, you've been conditioned and it's not your fault, but you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to really make a change. And yes, doing the work, but doing the work, not just for your sense of eye, but for the world that we live in. Totally. I mean, I think actually macaroni and cheese from a box is a really amazing metaphor for all of this because I, you know, I'm, I was also raised by television, a uh, latchkey child from very early age. And the only macaroni and cheese that I knew was the kind from the box. And I loved it. Um, I still will say that sometimes if it's a really, really special time, I'm like stressed out or really busy, I will like go get a box of Annie's and like live the high life, right? It's like right, hits the spot. Yeah. But I remember the first time that I had like actual macaroni and cheese actually baked in the oven, made with cheese and a sauce, you know, all of that. Um, I was like, this is disgusting. I want the stuff in a box. And I think it's because my taste, my expectation of what macaroni and cheese is was instilled by eating it from the box over and over and over Mm. again. Now that I've had many macaroni and cheeses in my life, I can see that they all exist on the same spectrum. And it's not necessarily that Kraft macaroni and cheese, although, like, who am I kidding? We had the generic kind at my house. (laughs) But, like, it's not as if that is less satisfying or even less delicious than like if you go to a restaurant it's got like five cheeses in it it's all artisanal um they both serve a purpose and they live on the same spectrum but unfortunately when we talk about like say clothing we for the most part like if you're a millennial most of the clothing that you've been offered in your life is the craft macaroni and cheese clothing and so it's about saying hey like wait this is what i recognize as macaroni and cheese but like there's other kinds out there and maybe it is second hand or maybe it is stuff you make yourself or maybe it is you know so-called sustainable ethical brands or whatever i think it's about changing what the word clothing means to us and realizing that there's a whole spectrum out there that's different that may may fulfill us in a different way, you know? So also just saying again, box macaroni and cheese, I still love it. Throw in some tuna <laughs> and some peas and you have a gourmet meal, okay? Absolutely. I, I, I cannot agree more. I love putting peas in my macaroni and it's, cheese. So it actually elevates is, it, right? <laughs> it, honestly, it does. It yeah, really, it, yeah. it makes a difference. <laughs> Here, so here's the thing, right? Like, I'm gonna put you, I'm gonna put you on the spot, okay? Um, and I, because I know that you, I know, but I know that you're open about this, right? It's like, you know, what do you think that we? Mm, I don't want to say should, but where do you think the opportunities are for us to be more conscious within the clothes that we wear? And, you know, what do you think our ethos should be as far as dressing within our day or, you know, choosing what goes in our closet? I mean, number one, buy stuff that feels right for you because, you know, one of the sort of symptoms of fast fashion and really the fast fashionification of all the clothing we can buy right now is trends, 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 and more trends. And so, 
the trends are coming at such a rapid clip. I'm not even sure if they're actually trends. If an industry creates a trend to get you to buy stuff, is it really a trend? That's like a logic problem for all of you to think about. But uh, what happens is you're getting served a lot of stuff constantly that isn't really who you are. For example, I refuse to wear an off-the-shoulder top because the use of my arms is way too important to me. <laughs> but, uh, but, yes. But like for the past five years, we have it's, – it's, it's easing up now. But like just – I would go to market to look at the next season's collections and it was like 95% off-the-shoulder tops. And I would say to myself, Amanda, you must be the only person who wants to use your arms – why are you such a weirdo? And so then I would be like, okay, you know what? I see this dress. I really like the print. I'm just going to – and it's off the shoulder. I'm just going to buy it anyway. I'd get it, put it on. I would cut the tags off and say I'm keeping it. A day into it, I'm like, what the fuck? I cannot use my arms. What am I – I hate this thing. Yeah. Why yeah. did I buy it? And so if you don't – if you like to use your arms, don't buy off the shoulder tops. Don't – Buy something just because you see it everywhere or you saw it on an influencer or you saw it in a magazine. You probably didn't see it in a magazine. Who's buying magazines? But maybe you saw it on, <laughs> on like television. Okay, there you go. But it wasn't – it was like streaming. It was a streaming service. It wasn't like a real television. Anyway, don't buy things because you feel like you're supposed to. One, know who you are and you should love yourself. So if you, if you don't like wide leg jeans, if you don't like crop tops – if you like to cover up your arms, if you actually only want to wear a tube top 365 days a year, then just do that. Don't let this industry that is creating fake trends to get you to buy things to sway you, right? So be true to yourself. And I, my advice that I always give people on that is like, listen, make a list of all of the people you've ever seen that you like love the way they dress. Go onto Pinterest, make a Pinterest board, think about your favorite clothes, go look in your closet, lay out all your favorite things to wear and see what the common thread is there. You know, like it's it's not as hard as it sounds like it to figure out who you are and what you like. I mean, who you are in the grand scheme of life, that's a whole other thing. But who you are in terms of your personal style is a lot easier to figure out because it's about what makes you feel comfortable and most like your true self. Notice I said makes you feel comfortable. I'm not saying sweatpants unless that is what you wear that makes you feel like your best self. But a lot of times when you throw comfortable out around clothes, people assume you immediately are talking about sweatpants and leggings and T-shirts, right? But that's not what I mean. I mean like psychically comfortable, right? Feeling like Mm -hmm. you are you and here you are and you're going out to seize the day. And I think that's step number one. When it comes to like specifically – how to shop. I mean, definitely cutting out the impulse shopping is so important. And for a lot of us, myself included, it's a hard process. Like there are days, I mean, I'm doing a lot better now a year into this process, self-inflicted process. But there would be days where I'd be like, I feel almost bored. And like, I have no reason to be excited because I didn't buy anything that might be coming in the mail today. You know, like getting over that hump is really hard, but buying less is so important. And I can't, I cannot emphasize enough the idea, which I know is hard for a lot of people, um, especially if it's not, you're new to it, is shopping secondhand first. We... We live in the golden era of secondhand clothing that is so convenient, just like so many apps. You know, we've got Poshmark and Depop and Etsy and Mercari, and I could go on and on. Um, 
buying secondhand clothing is it, it's an amazing thing to do because we actually have more clothing in the world already than anyone could ever wear and you know, if you've evolved to this point where you realize you don't need to have a lot of clothes in and out of your life, that you don't want to participate in throwaway culture, this is a great time to give clothes that maybe someone else who hasn't realized that yet, give those clothes a chance to live on instead of going, you know, 85% of our unwanted clothing goes to the landfill. And that, that is so sad. I mean, when I think about some of the clothes that I didn't want anymore, it wasn't because there was anything wrong with them. They were just wrong for me. And so I think participating, mm. like getting our unwanted clothes back into circulation, buying them from other people is really important. And I guess just also like shop with your heart. What is the – listen, there are so many issues. There's workers' rights. There's carbon footprint. There is like pesticides for cotton. There is forced labor in China. I could go on and on. There are many issues. Pick the one that's most important to you and look at your favorite brands and see where they are with that because that's right. It's okay to have favorite brands. Focus on them. And I just think I – because I love clothes so much and I feel like there's such a personal expression, I personally don't want to express bad things. I don't want my clothes to have bad vibes when I'm wearing them, right? So I don't want clothes that were made yeah. by forced labor. I don't want clothes that were made of like fossil fuels and like there's tons of pollution involved. I want my clothes to have only good vibes because I deserve that, you know? Yeah. 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 So I guess that's just what I'm saying is like buy less, buy what you love, shop secondhand first and do your homework, pick your issue and shop accordingly. No big deal. Just a really short list mm. there. <laughs> Well, no worries. Friends, you know I got your back. I'm going to have that all written out and listed for you in the site show notes, that little cheat sheet for you. Don't <laughs> you worry. I have got your back. Um, you know, Amanda, it has honestly this conversation – I knew. Like so when I was going to break down this conversation or do this podcast, um, I, I – as I told you before, I just instantly thought of you and I was like, I can do this by myself. But I know it would be such a treat and it would be so phenomenal to have you come on board and and talk with me to, to you know, bring awareness to our dear listeners, right? And let me tell you, I just, I knew I was on the money, but I, I have felt so seen <laughs> talking to you because, I mean, first off, you are you are more researched and i mean my use with language is always going to be an interesting one so just like for context for you amanda i didn't start talking till i was four and a half so like my association with language is always interesting my therapist actually just told me the last time that we that we talked she's like i do love listening to you because i i find it's like an obstacle course like the way your <laughs> mind works like I, I really have to think about it so in listeners you like it so that's great but but my my point is is that you know first off you've been such an aid in helping me elaborate all these core concepts but but in addition to that i've never really been able to sit down with someone and talk to someone who saw these same viewpoints, right? Like I don't want to be a preacher, right? I want to, like you, I want to invite people in, but it's also nice to not like have to invite you in, Amanda. Like 
we're on the same team. Like, <laughs> yeah, we great. get it, you know, and it's just feelings. I just feel so seen by you. So it's just such it's just been such a treat to talk to you in this capacity. Um, and another capacity that I know that we're that we're both alike. I just want to talk over one more thing and just um the way that it is so interesting that we are talking and communicating. Well, you've been you've been way more successful at it. Part of the reason why I don't talk about clothing or wardrobe as, as much as I do is because I find that it needs to be a one-on-one conversation. Um, you have done an excellent job about making it a community. I mean, making a whole podcast about it is just, I mean, I, I love Clothes Horse. I love it so much. Uh, and you're amazing. Um, but it's interesting that we work in whatever context that is and talking about something that's so visual (laughs) and yet we have a hard time I know we talked about this before we have a hard time sometimes expressing that visualness at least within ourselves especially because like if you're going to talk about fashion then you need to be some sort of model you need to do like 365 days of outfits Uh, or you need to make sure you do these photo shoots and and work with these brands and you know show that like glamour model instagram body you know to be able to be heard in the world of fashion and that's not us we don't do that i don't think i've ever tried to do that on instagram and i don't know if you i i would think that you have no, and i i mean i don't yeah. want to brag but i have really <laughs> tremendous personal style uh so i guess i am bragging but so like i could i guess show everyone my outfit every day and it it might be interesting to someone but I just that's not that's not the language I want to use like ooh, ooh yes I feel yes. like I, you know people would always be like Amanda what's your story like who are you I wonder about you all the time you like you share your stories on the podcast but you don't really post photos of yourself and I remember the first time I posted a photo in stories and I was saying something like, oh, this week's episode is canceled or something something really trivial. I had like 100 messages instantly. They were like, oh, my God, that's what you look like. I can't believe I'm finally seeing your face. Like, you have such pretty hair or something like that. And I was like, yeah, yeah. whoa, yeah, it is weird. We all have this relationship that isn't based on like this physical existence of me. And it just like never occurred to me that that's how I would speak to people, you know? Um, And I still don't want to, you know? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I think that is a totally viable means of communication for so many people. It wouldn't feel right to me. I think words are so powerful. I think the things that I have to say are more important than how I look when I'm saying them, just for me personally, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be distracted by – worrying about if I'm using the right filter to share it. Like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, I really feel that. For me, like when it comes to those concepts and, and those areas, I, I'm still kind of, mm, I don't want to say on the fence, but it's like never say never. Yeah, You exactly. know, maybe – Maybe like I really want to do it. And actually, I, I would like to do like a lookbook element in our editorial um, at some point. But I, I really want it to be – not to say that other people aren't being artistic, but I really want it to be specifically intentional with the messages that we are 
that we are introducing. Because like if you look at Vogue, right, a Vogue is a collection and they may have some sort of theme that I think is hard to find. But like, you know, I, I, I still get Vogue and I get it for the collages, but that's another conversation. I collage. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's like, you know, sometimes it's really hard to find and the spreads in the connection. It's just really feels like a bunch of ads, which is great if you're collaging. But I think it's hard when you're really trying to receive the association between the visual elements of this expression and also the consciousness that we've been talking about in uh-huh. all these different areas. Yeah. Also, so interesting that they can make magazines and magazines, like, so many off of fashion, but not actually talk about fashion. Like, it is crazy. It's so it's really interesting to me. I also just wanted to say I love making collages. Have since I was a kid. <laughs> um, still brings me so much joy. Um, I'm sad that there aren't more magazines. But at the same time, like, it is interesting because magazines will show you They'll fill your head with these ideas of what you should be, but they don't like I like they don't tell you a story and they don't really I don't know, like you don't really learn even even if we just were like, okay, fashion should only talk about fashion in a really positive way in magazines, like let's pretend that's a world. Um, you don't even learn about fashion history from fashion magazines. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't you have to go somewhere else to get that. And I, I I do think, like, we we are used to seeing images. I mean, I've been thinking back about you just talking about, like, that image being planted in your mind, whether you realize it or not, yeah. and really affecting your decision-making. And, you know, we can all agree that, like, certainly fashion magazines and blogs and influencers have done the same for us. And I guess, like, when I think about – what if I was showing myself in different outfits every day and saying, like, this is how you can live a sustainable lifestyle. Look at me here. Um, I feel like it would make it hard to put yourself in that situation as someone who wants to learn about changing, you know, just learn how to change their lives and change the world, right? Mm -hmm. You would look at me and say, like, oh, well, I could never pull that off. So I guess I don't care about sustainability, you know, or like uh, that's totally not my aesthetic. I guess I don't care about quitting fast fashion. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. What is what I don't understand why we live in such an absolute culture, whereas like it's it's either or. Right. It's in such absolutes. I don't get it. Anyways, keep going. You're on it. You're on a roll. I love it. (laughs) But I think that's why I didn't want to be like the face of the Instagram, because instead I wanted to I. I wanted to sell, if you will, but without actually making any money off of it, sell the ideas, <laughs> the inspiration, the information, not not me, not like, yeah. you know, and yeah. I, I do, I mean, this is something I think about a lot too, like, there, there's this super corporate phrase I'm gonna, I'm gonna say right now, which is something that like comes up on performance reviews and, or in like management training sessions, and it's lead by example, right, and Mm. I actually drop that yeah. phrase a lot, always with the, pre, you know, with the preamble, the disclaimer that it is corporate talk, I know, but I think a lot about how can I, as an individual, lead by example the people around me, be a, a small scale influencer to the people in my lives, in my life, and for me, it feels most important to me that people see, like, you know, get these ideas and it, like digest them and, you know, interpret them their own way. But I do have thought like, 
Yeah, it would probably be really amazing for people who are really overwhelmed by the idea of shopping secondhand first or a world that is free of fast fashion or a world where you only buy things you love and not trends that you saw advertised. It would be probably really important to create editorial content, like visual of people wearing outfits and having the time of their lives, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, I yeah. think about that too. And I'm like, yeah, that would be that would be awesome, you know? Like someone should do that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And so that's that I think that is sort of like a line that we walk that we're constantly I'm sure it's the same for you, thinking about like how can I inspire and motivate people more, you know, but also remain true to who I am and the language that I speak when I share my ideas. And uh, maybe someday I will I'll have like an Instagram that's just me wearing outfits. It seems unlikely, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, there's a thing. It's like it's the associations. It's the intention. It's like what well, what's in alignment for you, right? And like, that may be alignment for you, you know, down the line when either one, you have more time or more fucks, but like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so like never say never truly, but, but it just, I just find that it doesn't serve because again, like I'm coming down to the message of this is for you. Like, this is your sense of identity. And if I'm putting on clothing, also, also, let me just say this, I don't think that I'm that visually engaging as a dresser. I think that I'm stylish, but I don't think there's anything like super, I think that also like you, you need to like, if you want to talk about sustainability or like your sense of eye and the element of wardrobe, um, you also need to wear like kooky patterns and loud prints <laughs> and all this stuff, which is fun. And I love seeing it, but like, that's, that's, that's not me. I wear black most of the time. I like a good, like stylish t-shirt, not your Hanes, but like a nice, just like normal tee or like a sweater. I do wear joggers most of the time. I think I wear them in a stylish way, but that's me. Like I don't, just, I, I am very like, comfortable in my clothing. I don't always go loud. And I find that I'm really able to express my sense of eye. The way that I pop things is I pop things with earrings and with lipstick, right? Like that's my bag. So that's the thing. Like I don't, like you, I don't want people to necessarily associate wardrobe um, manifestations through what I am specifically manifesting with my clothes. I want them to be able to understand the language that I, like you said, that I am communicating and really take it on for themselves because it's not about me. It's about what, because I don't, again, like I don't want to imprint them with my own imagery. I want them to take on their own imagery of self. Totally. Like I don't want people to think that in order to, embody the ideas that we're discussing as a community that you need to dress the way that I dress that you have to have my style that you need to grow your hair out really long and like wear a certain kind of shoe and you know when you say it out loud that sounds preposterous like why would anybody think that but we know that that is true that we we do that all the time yeah all the time just the idea of like what we think a successful person looks like what we think beauty is what we think the kind of person who can, quote, pull something off, all of those ideas were implanted in our brain from different media that we've consumed. And I just, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to shut people out and make them think that if you want to participate in this, if you want 
to make a better world, you have to fit this mold. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but my whole life I was trying to fit into some mold that, like, I was never, ever going – it was never going to be right for me. And so yeah. I always felt mm-hmm. like a failure aesthetically, you know, physically, whatever. And that's discouraging. That's unmotivating. And that is the kind of – honestly, that kind of emotional state is what leads you to do all of this, like, emotional shopping, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I totally identify with that. Very much me. Again, the association with worthiness, Mm -hmm. right? If you feel like a failure all the time, then you're going to be in that space of worthiness, which then leads us to an episode that we did earlier in this season, listeners, comparison culture. Also, I shared my very sad story. So again, I'm sorry that that happened and I hope I didn't make you cry. But here's the thing, right? Like this, we're getting into the truth of it. We're getting real. We're getting with it. And it's very much tied with comparison culture so you know honestly I think I think you just hit it on the nail Amanda I think you really did like really examine what it means for yourself to be quote-unquote fashionable what is sustainable for you giving clothes a second opportunity giving them a sense of life Mm -hmm, right like mm -hmm. when we do that you know we're more prone to actually mend our clothing and and not toss it when a very small hole occurs or when a button goes missing or whatever that is like really caring and nurturing our clothing our shoes our accessories ourselves absolutely absolutely and like everything you buy no matter how much it costs it was made by someone, or actually, let's make that plural, someones, you know? Oh, yeah. Hours yeah. of work cumulatively. Like hands, all these different hands touched what you just bought. And think about the time and the thought and the care and the skill. No matter how much something cost that you bought, all of that was required to create that for you. And so... Honor that, honor all that hard work, all those people who touched that and created that and got it to you by holding on to it or giving it a second life, but being sure, being super sure that it's never, ever disposable. Because clothes aren't made by robots. I'm just going to say that. I think some people think that. In fact, I know a lot of people think, because a lot of things are made by machines. We assume that clothes are like, I don't know, like some cotton goes in one end and there's all kinds of like pulleys and pistons and stuff. And then Mm -mm. out comes on a conveyor belt, a shirt. That's just not true. And so honor all of the human ingenuity and time and care that went into each item that you buy. Absolutely. Have reverence, have a sense of ritual, if that's a line for you, but like a sense of true intention when you acquire clothes, when you wear clothes, and when you care for clothes. You know, again, you know, I didn't bring Amanda on here to have this conversation to, you know, make you feel overwhelmed no. or make you feel bad or to be shamed. And, I rem- and I'm saying this because I remember whenever I first learned about this, that's exactly how I felt. Because it's just like, why Why didn't I know? Why, why didn't I know? And again, it's not your fault. You've been conditioned. Mm-hmm. But now we've given you, which one was it? The red pill or the blue pill? We gave you one of the pills. Whichever is the, the good reality. one. Whichever is the good pill, yeah. <laughs> Whichever the good one is, that's the one we gave yeah. you. And so these are just opportunities. You don't have to change everything overnight. 
sit with things, digest it, definitely look into the Clothes Horse podcast. Seriously, it is, it's like, that's, it's happening. If anything, follow Amanda on Instagram, follow Clothes Horse podcast on Instagram, because Amanda, the the way that you express the aesthetics and the, well, really the way that you collage, right? Yeah, all, it's all, it's all, all the information. Imagery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just so fun. I mean, I would just say too, like, I know the more you learn about this stuff, it is overwhelming and you feel like a bad person. But this is something that it, you intentionally were never told. This information has never been accessible for a reason. And I say it's all about progress, not perfection. So step one yes. in the progress is knowing this, right? Step two is like, what are this, what's the first tiny thing I'm going to do? to change. And I'm not expecting that next week you go into your closet. First off, please, no matter what's in there, don't throw it out just because it's fast fashion. Please wear the things that you love for as long as you possibly can. But I'm not expecting you to next week suddenly show up in like a pair of hemp flax pants and like, I don't know. There's this idea, (laughs) I think, that if you're into sustainability and ethics that you just wear like like beige clothing made out of natural hemp fibers. They're very flowy, I think. I don't know. Um, I definitely had a lot a feeling for a long time that like sustainable ethical clothing was definitely not my vibe, you know? Um, We definitely all have pictures in our mind of that. Why? Because it's been planted by things we've consumed already, right? Get rid of that because, you know, being more ethical about your wardrobe choices – it doesn't mean sacrificing who you are and doesn't mean we're all wearing weird hemp tunics for the rest of time either. And I think like I'm excited for anybody who's listening to this because you're about to start on a really exciting transformative journey that's going to make you feel better and give you more power over like making a better world. It's it's a good th- it's a good thing, you know? Get past the like oh now I feel like a jerk. Get over that. Now you should feel like I'm about to change my life, you know, and the lives of others. Oh my gosh. I am I feel charmed. I feel enchanted by you. Um <laughs> by by everything you just you just said and just shared. And it's just such a beautiful way to close off this episode. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. Um you know, I, I have, of course, shared when we just talked about the Close Horse podcast and, and that beautiful resource that you make. But I also want to mention that you have a Patreon and you have now Close Horse World. Um, can you tell us a little yes. bit more about that? Sure. So this kind of goes back to that idea of leading by example. No, this is not your annual performance review. <laughs> but, you know... I, Gosh, I feel like, you know, this is so wild, but Close Horse is coming up on its year anniversary, but it feels so much longer because it's been so life-changing for me. And last fall, like late fall, um, Meg, who is actually the content producer for CloseHorse.World, reached out to me and said, hey, have you ever thought about starting a blog, like a a style blog? Because all the style blogs that exist right now are kind of, they kind of suck and they mostly just sell Amazon clothes, which is true. And they really promote like just you know, trends that aren't right for people and hating your body and all the things that we hate, right? And I was like, you know, I love that idea. I love the idea of demonstrating to the world that you can consume less and live a beautiful life. But I just like don't have the time, you know? Mm -hmm. And 
I said, if you think we could assemble a team that would want to do this, and of course I'm going to help out, uh, I, I'm down. And then somehow we assembled a team of people. And so World is specifically the blog. Um, we, almost all of our content is actually created by the community. We have a team in place that basically helps you take your idea and turn it into a post that you'll be really proud of. We have illustrators, we have designers, editors, you name it. But most importantly, we have just a, an amazing, so talented, so passionate community that has so much great knowledge, experience, and ideas. And so we, I mean, we don't publish just everything that comes our way, but we help people take their ideas and turn them into the best content that they can be proud of. And I mean, it runs the gamut. It's personal stories. It's interesting history lessons, DIY projects. Outfit Repeater is one of our our staples, which is like basically destigmatizing this idea that uh, you can't wear the same thing twice on Instagram. Like we're saying like, no, we're going to actually, I guess we're, we're stigmatizing the idea <laughs> that you can't wear things twice. And we are normalizing the idea that if you love it, own it, make it your uniform, show the world all the time. So that's what Outfit Repeater is. And we share our thrift finds and all kinds of amazing stuff. And uh, it's a lot of work for sure. Uh, we don't make any money off of it yet. We're hoping to at some point, um, at least to pay us for our time and the expenses of running it. But it's been amazing. It's been around since February, so not even that long. And I, I'm i like a very emotional person. <laughs> so I frequently will look at something on the blog and get choked up thinking about all of the incredible, talented people who work together to create that. And just, I'm so proud of what we've been able to put out in the world. So closehorse.world is the blog. We have a team that works on that. I'm the creative director of it. And then the podcast is is me. It's my work with a little help from my husband, Justin, <laughs> on music and audio. Um, and I, I do both of them. So I, I feel like they are sisters, basically, you know, mm. like like we sisters of the same family of ideas they're part of the same community and, you know, we're still always playing with like how that relationship works and how they can help one another, I guess. Ugh, absolutely gorgeous. I also hope that you guys start making some money from it too soon because like it's, it's, a, it's, it's a lot and it's enchanting and it's engaging and it's worthwhile. And again, it's, it's something that we need, which is why you guys created it, you know? Yeah, I feel like we're about to start a renaissance of the return of like personal sharing our personal stories, the personal experience, um, blogging in an intimate way. Um, I think this was a major, a major phenomenon in the early aughts, and it really it actually made a lot of people into professional writers, illustrators, photographers, etc. And then we kind of turned into the like, wait a minute. Uh, big brands, big corporations, they've gotten into the blogging, you know, photography yeah, game, right? Yeah. And then it lost, it lost its sense of authenticity and people became very disconnected from it. We all migrated to Instagram. Instagram started out with such an incredible feeling of authenticity and participation. And then it kind of turned into mostly people selling you stuff um, with some good ideas thrown in there. And so we're saying, like, let's bring this back. It's time for us to reconnect. All of our personal stories and experiences are so important to who we are. Let's share them and get them out there. 
because that's how we connect as humans and that's how we create new ideas and change the world that we live in. Sometimes you just need to hear that someone had a similar experience to you to feel better about your own feelings about that experience. You know, it helps you heal and grow and formulate new ideas. And so I am all about helping that happen for all of us. Oh my gosh. Amanda, you are just so cool, man. You are just so cool. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Well, we know where we can find you. We know where we can dive in more and go to closehorse.world. Check it out. Um, I think if you are on Instagram, I think definitely following uh, Close Horse is just totally worth it. And I'm going to link all of that into the site show notes. You know, I've got your back. Amanda, thank you so, so much for being here and just sharing all of your wisdom. You were so clever. You're so enchanting. You're so magical. And just to hold this uh, space with you has just been, has been such a treat. I think you're just, I, I think everything that you're doing is cool. I just think that you're cool. This is, this is amazing. Well, thank you so much. It was so fun. It was so weird <laughs> to be on the other side of the microphone to be interviewed by someone else. It was such an interesting experience for oh me. my gosh amanda did i pop your cherry well actually one other time some friends interviewed me for their podcast but it was a long time ago yeah. and it was before i had a podcast of my own oh. so i'm so accustomed to being on one side of right. it and it felt so different you know mm-hmm. but i loved it I, Call me. I'll be on your podcast. No, <laughs> you heard it here first, friends. You heard it here first. And you know me. I'm I'm horrible at goodbyes. So we're going to let you go now. It's been a long chat. Go ahead. Rest up. Do your thing. And um, until next time, my friends, I'll talk to you then. Bye. <laughs> Hello, beautiful. I want you to know that I am so grateful for your listens to this show. The Blythe Mitros community is growing bigger and bigger and having you, yes, you, be a part of that is so special to me. To give something back to beautiful you, I wanted to make sure you knew about my Notion template for building an aligned strategy for your intuitive business. It's perfect for solopreneurs and creatives helping you create your dream business. Oh yeah, and it's free, bitch. (laughs) Not only that, but the template is guided. I've got instructions, steps, methods, a walkthrough example, and even a video class on how to get the most out of this jam-packed space. Now, when I say jam-packed, what I really mean is that you get five templates integrated into one space. And this is actually the practice and template I use myself to stay grounded in who it is that I am becoming while living in a constant state of inspired action. It's glorious. My wish is that with this tool, you'll be able to do the same. No promises, I can't do that because it takes work. But with this template, I'm confident that the work will become so much easier. Remember, it's free. So just head to blithemitrals.com to sign up for an immediate inbox delivery and up your intuitive business game. Hashtag gimme, gimme, gimme. Hashtag that is magical realness. (laughs) 